Jesus is risen indeed. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning. What is true then is still true now. We need our Lord and Savior. We need our rescuer. Jesus was raised from the dead, leading the way to eternal life. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, we look to you this morning, and we ask for you to reveal yourself here in our midst. Speak to us from your word and live in our hearts. We open our hearts to the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Well, I am so glad you're all here for our resurrection celebration. Uh, as I start this morning, I think I want to start with a short quiz. You all up for that? Now, these great, deep, theological questions I want you to answer with honesty and integrity. Can you do that? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Can you do that? Yeah. Justin had you guys yelling this morning. <laughs> All right, how many of you would admit that at one point in your life you have locked yourself out of your car or your house? Just stick your hand up. All right, so that gets a good lot of us. That's what I figured. How many would you admit, now this is harder for the guys, but how many of you would admit that at some point in your life you got lost and you actually had to stop and ask directions? Any, any men? Come on, you liars, get your hands up there. <laughs> All right. Now, how many of you have gotten yourself at some point in your life in such a mess that you thought there was no way I'm ever getting out of this mess on my own? Just stick your hand up. A lot of us. A lot of us. Now, here's the ultimate test of honesty. You ready? How many of you have ever gotten stuck in a public bathroom without toilet paper? <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. Now, don't shake hands with those people. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> the definition of a friend in need is a guy in the next stall without any TP, right? <laughs> and what's the Christian thing to do? To get up and walk out and say, have a good day? Or roll one under the door, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, in every one of those cases, you needed some help. You needed a savior. You needed to be rescued. The theme of rescue is the theme of every great action movie. You like action movies? You know, I've confessed before my sin of loving the Die Hard movies. Die Hard 1, you know, it's a rescue movie. Die Hard 2, Die Hard 27, you know, they just keep going on. But they're all rescue movies. You know, uh, you're about to be rescued when Superman comes out of that phone booth, right? You know that's going to happen. You know you're going to be rescued when Spider-Man comes swinging in on that web. We're getting ready. You know you're going to get rescued when James Bond pulls up in that Aston Martin. <laughs> Rescue's about to happen. And you really know you're about to get rescued when Popeye eats his spinach, right? <laughs> Some of you are old enough to remember that. <laughs> if you want a really good rescue story, I recommend the Bible. In fact, the Bible is a book that is full of one rescue story after another. Ever since Adam and Eve messed things up with the fall and they fell in sin, God has been bailing us out over and over and over again. The story of the rescue of Jonah, the story of the rescue of Noah, 
the story of the rescue of Joseph and Moses and Gideon and Jacob, story after story. And it's the story of the rescue of God's people. And that happened over and over and over because they didn't always follow closely and they needed a rescuer. But you know, the biggest rescue of all is the one we're celebrating today. It's Easter. The death, the burial, after the crucifixion on Good Friday, but the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. Easter is the greatest rescue story of all time. It's all about where God came to earth. The Father sent the Son of God to rescue all of humanity. You know, when Superman comes on the stage, he comes on earth to save the day, we know that that's a myth. But this is the real deal. This is the real thing. When you read your Bible, the Bible uses all kinds of rescue terms that you're familiar with. Words like saved, redeemed, rescued, delivered, liberated, set free, and on and on it goes. All of these have to do with God's rescue plan for us. I want you to take a look at some verses with me this morning. Here's the first one from 1 Timothy 2 and 5. It says, There is only one God, and Jesus Christ is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus became truly human, and he gave himself to rescue all of us. Jesus didn't come as a figment of somebody's imagination. Jesus became truly human, and he gave himself to rescue most of us. That's not what it says, does it? It says that he came to rescue all of us. You know, I got curious, and I looked up that word all in the Greek. Do you know what it says? All. All. (laughs) Exactly right. Some of you smart Alex were ahead of me there on that. That means everybody. Nobody gets left out. Every single person, every person in this room, every person on this planet, we're all included. Here's a a neat little paraphrase from Eugene Peterson, and I think he really nails it this way. He says, Jesus Christ rescues us by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God's plan is that we all experience that rescue. I like how he puts it. That then becomes the question. What happens? How did Jesus come to rescue me? What do I need rescuing from? What can Jesus rescue me from? I mean, right off the bat, you might say, well, I know he came to rescue me from my sin, to take me from hell and take me into heaven. Yes, that is the most important thing. But Jesus came for so much more than that. I mean, it's not just, it didn't, it started there, but it didn't end there, right? There's a whole life for Jesus that's being lived. There are more things that we need rescue from. You know, in the book of Psalms, David uses a variation of that word rescue over 150 times. Just in one book. God wants to rescue us from all kinds of things. We could list things just about all day, I think, if we started thinking about it. The Bible says that Jesus can rescue me from the stress of life. Are you stressed? He can rescue me from the attacks of others. He wants to rescue me from a guilty conscience so I don't carry guilt around for my entire life. 
He wants to rescue me from overwhelming problems. He wants to rescue me from the fear of death, from the judgment of hell, from financial distress, from the prison of addictions, from a life without purpose, from people who cause you trouble, from worry, from depression, and on it goes. We could keep going with the list. He even wants to rescue from those traps that are in your path that you can't see coming yet, but God can see them. And he wants to make it so that you don't keep making mistakes in that way. There is no problem in your life that God is not interested in, not one. And there's no problem in your life that God will not help you with. And there is no problem in your life that God will not offer you rescue if you trust him. And we all need to be rescued in one part of our life or another, isn't that true? You know, we're all trying to live the good life. We're all, you know, trying to be good people. The problem is that a good life isn't good enough. You were made for more than just growing up and getting an education and making money and retiring and dying. That's not really living. That's just existing. You know, until you're plugged into God, you are just existing in life. Uh, it's like the switch. You're plugged into the mains, but the switch isn't turned on yet. You need to be rescued, and you need to be empowered by God to live a full life. We talk about life abundantly in the scriptures. That happens when we're really plugged into God. Psalm 18 and 19 says, He brought me out into a spacious place. What that means is he plopped me into a place where I have land unlimited. I have a place that is beyond description. And he rescued me because he delighted in me. You might want to write that word down, delighted. And put that little reference in there. Anytime you start getting feeling down, every time you start feeling not, not loved, take a look at that. It says God delights in you. Did you know that? Did you know that? Man, that is, to me, one of the most mind-blowing ideas in the world. That the creator of the universe not only knows me, he knows me by name, and he delights in me. He loves you. Now, that doesn't mean that God loves everything you do. Not everything I do, either. Of course not. You don't even love everything that you do, so God isn't going to. However, he likes you. He loves you. He delights in you. The Bible says he delights in you. What does that mean? He gets joy out of watching you be you because he made you. Now, you wouldn't exist if God didn't love you. He made you to love you and made us to love him. He's your heavenly father. He delights in you. He says, I want to rescue you. Uh, you know all those problems that you're going through, all those things that seem insurmountable? We talked about that at the beginning. All those things we feel like we can't get out of. You know, I'm stuck in this situation. I'm stuck in this sin. I'm stuck in this place. I'm stuck in this addiction. And it goes on and on and on and on. You think it's never going to end. God says, I want to rescue you. 
I want to save you. I want to help you because I made you. Now the question is, how do I let Jesus rescue me? Because we know most of the time we can't rescue ourselves, you know. Sometimes we get in a little deeper the water. We need somebody to throw us a life buoy and pull us out. Or somebody to lend us a hand to get up. With Jesus, that's always true. How do I let Jesus rescue me? Well, you know, first of all, it's important that we admit that we need rescuing. And that's the place where we need to start, right? A lot of times we're very self-sufficient people, right? Very independent people. And that's a good thing. And it's also a bad thing. You know, nothing is going to happen to you until you admit that you need rescuing. God doesn't rescue people who don't think they don't need to be rescued. God doesn't save people who don't think they need to be saved. I need to admit that I need rescuing. Psalm 70 and verse 5 says, I'm in deep trouble. Rush to my aid, talking to God here, for only you can help and save me. Oh, Lord, don't delay. Who's the rescuer here? It's the Lord God, right? And then there's this one. Psalm 40 and verse 12 says, For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high that I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head, and I have lost all courage. Wow. For a couple of years, I, I co-led a, a group called Celebrate Recovery at a church up in the Mechanicsburg area. And if you've ever been in an AA or in a narcotics kind of group, you know about the 12 steps. What's the very first step? That very first step says, we admitted that we were powerless, that our lives had become unmanageable. You have to start there. You have to start with understanding that you're in a bad place. And you want to get to a better place. We have to admit something's wrong before we can have something done about it. The Bible says in Psalm 18 and 27, you rescue those who are humble. God doesn't rescue prideful people. The, the first thing I have to admit is I need help in every area of my life. You were not meant to live a life without God. That's not how you were created. But you know, we all want to go our own way, right? Like the guy who fell off the cliff, grabs onto the branch, he's dangling there, and he goes, is there anybody up there? And he prays. And God speaks down from heaven and says, my son, let go of the branch and I'll catch you. And he thinks about that for a minute. And he goes, is there anybody else up there? Because we don't want to let go. And when we get into trouble, we pray and we call on God. And then when God answers, we don't like the answer. And so we try to go on our own way, right? And that doesn't end well. It's a choice. You know, God's not going to force you to choose. He's not going to force you to, to follow him. But he does encourage you to start by admitting that you need rescuing. Now, the second thing on our list this morning Oh, I already had it. I'm getting ahead of myself. How do I let Jesus rescue me? I admit I cannot save myself. The only way you're going to experience salvation is from God, right? Isn't coming from anywhere else. I hate to tell you this, but the government isn't going to save you. 
Business isn't going to save you. Popular opinion is not going to save you. Some talk show or podcast host is not going to save you. You cannot save yourself. Only God can save you. Only God. There are things in your life that you cannot change except with God's help. The paraphrase of Psalm 48, David says, there is no such thing as self-rescue. Pulling yourself up by your back bootstraps, the cost of rescue is beyond all means. It's beyond what we can afford. It's beyond what we can do. Uh, many of you know that several years ago when I was serving here, I had a heart attack. I was uh, sitting at home watching television that, that evening, and uh, my upper back was hurting on my left side, so I had a heating pad on it and thought, oh, well, this is just got to get the muscles all worked out here. And then as the evening went on, that started to spread into my chest, and I thought, oh, man, I must have a chest cold coming on, so I thought, I can fix this. So I, I went in there and take myself some NyQuil, and I rub a little Vicks up under my nose, and you know, now I can breathe a little better, I'm going to feel better, I know I'm going to feel better, and I take a couple of ibuprofen, and I lay down and I go to sleep. And about two o'clock in the morning, I'm wide awake and I'm in agony, and I, it's like, oh, something's definitely wrong here. So that's when I started to think that maybe I have a touch of pneumonia. So... Wake up in the morning, and first thing, I go and talk to Bonnie, and I say, I think you need to take me to the clinic. I don't trust myself to drive over there. And so she drives me over to the clinic, and I'm convinced that I have pneumonia, and we can fix this. All we need is some antibiotics and, you know, some good stuff like that. You know, maybe a nebulizer, get things breathing again. We can fix this. And the first thing they did was they sent me to the ER. And I walked into the ER, and they Bam, I'm on a table, and they got heparin in my arm, and they're shutting that heart attack down as fast as they can because they know exactly what's going on. And the next thing I know, I'm in an ambulance on the way to Chambersburg, and eventually I had to go to Reading and have some surgery where one of the top physicians in the state fixed my heart. Now, I couldn't pull out a heart repair kit from the medicine cabinet, I know, Derry, you got, probably got one of those in yours. You've got everything. <laughs> but I don't have a heart repair kit in my medicine cabinet. I couldn't pull it out and slap something on and repair my own heart. I couldn't fix myself. I needed an expert healer. And she did an amazing job on my heart. We have to get to a place where we understand that we can't fix what's wrong in our lives on our own. We need the expert who can rescue us. We need God, the great healer, to heal our hearts. By the way, the, the whole run, the emergency room, the heart cap, the ambulance surgery cost north of the $100,000 mark. That was beyond our means. We would not have been able to pay that. It was beyond what we could pay. We would have been completely bankrupt. And thank the Lord for insurance that covered a good deal of that. With salvation, it's like that. It's beyond what you can afford to get your heart fixed. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't pay your way into heaven. You can't do enough good things because heaven is perfect and you aren't. 
and neither am I. You cannot pay for your rescue by Jesus. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's too costly. But the good news is God loves you. And Jesus went ahead of you. And he already paid for your rescue. On the cross, he stretched out his arms and said, I love you this much. I love you this much. And he paid your bill. You know that one. The one that lets your heart get fixed. The one we owe because of our sin. And Jesus paid that with his life. So the first thing you need to do is admit I need rescuing. The second thing is I can't save myself. The third thing is that you have to ask Jesus to save you. Ask Jesus to save you. Psalm 91 says this, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will be with you. I will rescue you. And Romans 10, 13 says, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to jump through hoops. You just have to trust God to believe in him, that he's the rescuer, that he already paid that price for your sins, that he will fix your heart. All you got to do is believe in him and call on him. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So we, we can't go any other way. We have to go to Jesus in order to see that happen. The fourth thing, and this is your big step, is I commit my life to him. I call on the name of the Lord, and who's the name of the Lord? Jesus, right? And I commit my life to him. You have to come to a point of commitment. You have to come to a point of decision to entrust your life to God. Kierkegaard said, not making a decision is a decision. It's a decision in your life. It's a choice. We have to make a choice. We have to choose Jesus. We have to choose to follow him. All we have to do is call on him. You know, yesterday we had a little bit of excitement around here. You may have driven by and seen some strange goings on out in front. Um, fire alarm here is connected to an auto dialer, which calls our monitoring service and then also calls the fire department at the same time. And you have so many seconds to shut that down and then you're on your doorstep, right? Couldn't get it shut down. Wouldn't shut down. Finally got through got it shut down, but by that time we had these brave men of the Waynesboro Fire Department standing at our door. The sirens were going and the, you know, we could hear that truck pulling up. They were in full gear and they were ready to do whatever was necessary to save lives. Thankfully, it was a false alarm. But you know, in our lives, when I, that, all the alarm bells start going off, when we start getting into situations... God draws near. He's not going to force you to accept his help. In fact, when you're in distress, sometimes it feels like he is really far away, but that is not the case. He is right 
there. And when you call on him to save you or to rescue you, he comes with all the lights flashing and all the sirens going. Because that's our God. That's who he is. And he comes in full gear ready to save your life. That's what Easter's about. That's the greatest rescue ever. It's about God. It's about his mercy and grace, about how much he loved us, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to save us, sometimes from ourselves, but for sure from the effect of our sin. Psalm 50 says that, trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. I'm going to pray in a moment a prayer that we might call this morning a rescue prayer. I prayed it myself many years ago in 1982. My first prayer was actually, God, I don't even know if you're real. But if you're real, you're going to have to show me. Don't ever challenge God. God loves challenges. And God loves to reveal himself. And if you pray that prayer, God will reveal himself to you. He'll show you that he's real. And within a very short time, I began to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I began to believe that he died for me for my sins. I began to believe those things. And so I was ready when one day I was over at a friend's house and we were sitting after dinner in the living room and, and they looked at me and said, so, do you want to become a Christian? I said, yes. And we knelt on the floor beside the couch and I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. You know, lightning didn't flash. The walls didn't fall down. I didn't start speaking in strange languages, but very soon I knew that something in my life had changed. My life never felt the same again. That was 40 years ago this past week. I know that my past is forgiven. I have a purpose for living, and I know that I have a home in heaven. I'd like to lead you in that rescue prayer right now, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me in your head. You can follow along in your head and say, me too, God. I want that too. You know? So would you pray with me? Dear God, just say that in your head. Dear God, I need to be rescued. I realize that if I didn't need a Savior, you wouldn't have sent one. There are things in my life I cannot change. And I know there's no way that I can earn my way to heaven and that you determine how I get there. So as much as I know how, I say that I admit that I need you in my life. I admit that I cannot save myself. Jesus, as best as I know, hell, I am calling on your name to save me. I want you to commit my life, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it, Lord. I want to commit it to you. And I want to trust you to get me safely to heaven. 
and I trust in you in every area of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you believed it, then God takes you at your word. God says, if you call, I will save you. Did you call? If you called, God answered, and you are saved. You are rescued. It's not based on feelings. It's based on God's promise. So if you made that decision here today, we would love to hear from you and to talk with you more about what the Bible has to, to say about a number of things. And uh, if you'd like someone to pray with you after we're done here, please let me know and we will be happy to stay and pray because that's what we're here for. We love one another. I wish you Easter blessings on you and on your family. I hope this rest of the day today is a great blessing to you.